Support for the Trailblazers.fm podcast comes from the Campaign for Black Male Achievement, a national membership network of more than 5,000 members all across the country working to improve the life outcomes of our black men and boys. I'm so excited to share that on Thursday, October 18th, CBMA will be celebrating their 10th year anniversary and commemorate a decade of growth and impact for the Black Male Achievement Movement. Now, this gala is going to be honoring Tanya Allen of the Skillman Foundation, one of our past guests, John Rogers Jr., the CEO of Aerial Investments, and George Soros, founder of the Open Society Foundations. To learn more about purchasing tickets to the gala or If you'd like to become a sponsor for the event, please visit blackmailachievement.org or you can shoot me an email, steven at tvpod.com. You're listening to the Trailblazers podcast, where we will explore the stories of successful black professionals. Join us as we highlight the knowledge, resources, and tools of these accomplished trailblazers to help provide the know-how, confidence, and motivation you need to blaze your trail. And now, here's your host, Stephen Hart. Blazing Nation, what's up? Welcome back to an all-new episode of the Trailblazers.fm podcast. Today, we are continuing our six-week series called Trailblazer Entrepreneurs. It's our first focus series on entrepreneurs. We're talking with seven black entrepreneurs and business owners over this period of time who have accomplished their slice of greatness. If today's your first time listening, I want to stop right here and say big ups. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to an episode of Trailblazers. We have an archive of over 130 plus episodes. I'm going to encourage you when you finish listening to today, go back and check us out. You can find us on the web at tvpod.com right? And you can also follow us. We're very active on the gram, on Instagram, and on Twitter. Our handle is at TBPod. This is our third week of this entrepreneurship series. The last couple of weeks, actually, you can go back to episode 136 with Janice bryant Howroyd and come forward to today. And we still have three more episodes coming your way. So you definitely want to subscribe and make sure you check us out for the next few weeks. I hope you will enjoy the series as much as I have. Today, We've got double the mission field coming your way. We're talking with twin brothers, Sterling and Stephen Carter of Sterling Staffing Solutions. They're down in Houston, Texas, actually Sugarland, Texas. <laughs> These brothers specialize in medical staffing services. They took a startup, right, from $10,000 to now doing several million in revenue. And they're bringing in accolades. They're expanding. They're now into Oklahoma and continuing to grow. I'm so excited. I've had the opportunity to talk with these brothers. So join me right now in welcoming our featured trailblazer entrepreneurs for today, Stephen and Sterling Carter. Enjoy. Gentlemen, welcome and thank you so much for joining us for this conversation tonight. Thank you, Stephen. It's great to be here. Absolutely. Outstanding. We're excited to be here. Yes. So I know so much good is happening in your lives and your business, and I'm excited to kick things off where we often do. That's talking about gratitude. So I'd love to maybe have each of you share with our Blazing Nation what's an unexpected blessing that you're most grateful for in your lives right now. Sure. I can start, Stephen, and then I'm sure you have plenty to be grateful for. One of the things that, as far as gratitude, I would just say being in the healthcare field and knowing that our business actually touches so many people in a positive way. 
we're actually making a difference in people's lives. We're, we're actually getting them to a place where they can actually move around a little bit better. They can live more productive lives. Very, very grateful for that. And as our business grows, we know that we're actually able to touch more people and touch more lives in a positive way. I think the second thing I would say that we're really grateful for is that as our business has grown, we've had the ability to give back. We're big on philanthropy and we're big on mentoring. And it really has given us a platform for us to give back and to mentor and help so many of those show them that they can do it too and mentor those that are interested in going into business as well. So that's my gratitude. Appreciate that, Starling. Yeah, absolutely. And this is Stephen. Just to add on to that, I think the biggest gratitude piece for us is that being that we're a staffing company and we have an opportunity to make an impact on so many lives by providing employment or providing a level of compensation, which allows individuals to support their families, to be able to provide a great life for their kids, to make a huge impact and being able to employ so many people and make a positive impact on their financial lives is huge. And then not only is it a financial impact on those individuals that work for us indirectly and directly through our company, but we also are big on training and you know personal development and ensuring that everyone is learning and growing as they are a part of our team. So we continue to hear feedback back from our team, both internally and our contractors outside, that they are just so blessed or feel so great about the ability that they have to not only provide a standard of living for themselves and their family, but also to learn and enjoy what they do on a daily basis. So to get that kind of feedback really makes us proud. Yes. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in a second, but I appreciate you sharing that. Let me ask you, you shared just a minute ago before we started the call that you're in the greater Houston area, and I saw that your main office is in Sugarland, Texas. I'm curious to know, did you both grow up in the Houston area? Yeah, absolutely. We actually did. Our mom and dad are actually from Mississippi, but our father was in the military and the Air Force. And so he was stationed in Houston. So we were born and raised right in Houston. And actually, Sugarland is part of Fort Bend County. And that county is where we grew up. We grew up in Missouri City, which is another suburb of Houston, but it's right next to Sugarland. So this is home for us. I appreciate you sharing that, Sterling. I read that you both grew up with a single mom. And, you know, as I was processing some of this, I'm an active and very proud husband and father myself. And together, my wife and I, you know, we're working to take care of these two kids, these crumb snatchers that <laughs> keep us busy, right? And, uh, you know, whenever my wife has to travel, she's also a career woman blazing her trail, but she gets out and travels. And I feel like it's always, you know, the clear reminder that it is tough to be a single parent. And to compound that, I'm thinking your mom had twin boys to raise on her own. (laughs) That's right. Tell me a little bit about growing up and how she helped to influence and mold the men that you guys are today. Absolutely. This is Stephen, just to touch upon that. I mean, you know, obviously to have a loving mother who was willing to sacrifice and give of herself, you know, both mentally and emotionally, and trying to raise two young boys is a feat in and all of itself. And we appreciate that. I think that what she was, she had that strong work ethic from growing up in Mississippi and 
And we talk about the fact that our mother was the daughter of sharecroppers. They grew up in Mississippi where you worked on a farm. You know, you grazed and you farmed what you ate. The farm took care of the lifestyle, the livelihood of the family, and it was a hard work environment. And so you were used to doing multiple things, multiple jobs, going to school, working in the evening, working over the weekend. And so it just instilled that strong work ethic. And that kind of work ethic is what we saw our mother do is she sacrificed and worked multiple jobs just to make sure that we never wanted for anything. I don't think that we ever felt like we were in need or left without. I think that you know, later on in life, you kind of realize how the means were a little you know, a little small, things were a little tight, but we didn't feel that way when we were going through. We were just happy kids and happy to go through. And even though our father passed away when we were much younger, our mother made a strong effort to make sure that we maintained the relationship with our father's family and her family. And we just really had a strong sense of family. And she is the ultimate entrepreneur that has inspired us to be entrepreneurs because we saw her as a as it was, we were young, she was the funny story. When microwaves first came out, she was at Montgomery Ward, which probably dates us a little bit, <laughs> teaching <laughs> teaching cooking classes at Montgomery Ward and teaching everyone how to use a microwave for the first time. She ran a snow cone stand. She was a bus driver or a school bus driver before and after school, and she taught school during the day and. And then she's been a real estate agent, just multiple things that she's done just to make ends meet. And so that's what we've seen. And that hard work ethic has made a difference in our lives. That's fantastic. So fast forward together, you guys founded Sterling Staffing Solutions less than a decade ago. And I'm amazed you both took the company from, I believe, what was a startup of maybe startup capital of 10K. And now you've surpassed 4 million in revenue. Did I get that right? That's correct. Yes. We've wow. grown dramatically in a short period of time. And I'm just amazed. You've been raking in all the awards and accolades, and we'll dive into some of that in a second. But I'd love you both to first walk us through what was the problem that you both experienced that fueled the vision that led to you guys creating Starling Staffing Solutions? Sure. I think that I can probably tell the story because I'm a physical therapist by trade. And so I had a physical therapy outpatient clinic actually in Sugarland. And what was happening is, is that I was receiving a numerous amount of calls from my peers actually asking for employment. They were wanting to work for me, but being a small mom and pop clinic, I just didn't have any jobs for them. And I was also receiving numerous calls from home health agencies that were looking for therapists to work for them because they needed patients seen in their homes. And they were actually, at that point in time, there was a, and actually still, there is a significant number of therapists that were not available, just a lack of availability. And so what I realized is that we have a potentially a problem that can be solved if we can create something that can actually bring these therapists that I know to the home health agencies that we know are having issues and mirror those two by creating a staffing company, we can staff therapists to home health agencies. So I just, you know, I was really more of just kind of, I had the idea and the vision. I went to my brother, Stephen, who is, you know, a business mogul, uh, several different degrees and has worked in business and managed big companies and worked as uh, the CFO for major companies and talked to him about what I thought was a great idea. And I wanted to see if he was open to partnering up with me and investing in this business. And so collectively, we came together and we opened up a what started off as a healthcare staffing company. And we staffed therapists to home health agencies. 
And that's kind of how it kind of all started. Wow. That's awesome. So as a marketer, right, I'm curious about your initial thoughts. How did you guys go about crafting the marketing message and maybe how you both thought you differentiate your offering from everything else out there? Yeah, that's an interesting question. And I'm kind of a marketing person myself. Sterling and I had very similar tracks in terms of education. Although Sterling went the uh, physical therapy route, I went the business route. But once I returned from undergrad and came back into Houston, I started doing a lot of marketing and promoting. I really was into the event promotions business and just really learned my my knack of marketing from the ground floor of being, you know, marketer for events and you know getting a good understanding of giving the people what they want. And so a lot of that we were able to, to apply to this business. And you know, the reality is that we're really big about presentation, right? Presentation is everything. I know that I learned that early on when I was doing a bit promotion. So we wanted to make sure that everything that we designed from a marketing perspective had a look and a feel of professionalism, that it basically oozed, that we knew what we were doing and we were the next level of staffing agency, something unlike they had seen before. And the other thing that we realized early on, and that was a marketing advantage for us, was that we realized that the healthcare industry was very antiquated and that there was a lack of technology. There was a lack of a desire to embrace technology to help advance the healthcare industry. And so we've seen, obviously, a number of advancements over the years, but believe it or not, you know, healthcare industry still relies on fax machines and you know, obviously, if you go to a hospital, you'll still see physicians and nurses walking around with the beepers on. So it's an interesting <laughs> process. Wow. But, but what we did was we automated a lot of our tools. We made it much easier for our clients to get in contact with us, for us to staff their needs. And we did so at a rate or a price that was below the competition initially. And we advertised in a way that at that time it wasn't being utilized. And so we really just took the market by storm. And actually, just because of the way that we presented and designed our marketing material, it just seemed to be heads and shoulders above the competition. So it was, I hate to say it was a a build it and they will come because it wasn't like that, but it definitely was, there was a strong need and demand and we were able to supply something that looked different and filled that need. That's that's critical, yeah. right? I'm curious to know, are there those are you're touching on this, were there other key things or steps that really were important for you to go from that ten thousand dollar investment to millions in revenue? Yeah, so I, I think that one of the things that we were able to do, and I think most companies have to be able to do as they're starting up is is to be able to look for those opportunities. And when you see opportunities, you have to take advantage and take a hold of those opportunities and do something with those. So what we started off with initially was just, I mean, basically it was me and we were just doing physical therapy and that was just kind of our niche. But what we realized very, very quickly was that physical therapy was just one part of this whole healthcare arena. And so we started staffing. We had home health agencies that were asking for us to do occupational therapy. To, to They needed social work. They needed speech therapists. And so what happened was that over time, we realized and we were able to see that there's an opportunity there. We leveraged that. And we started to present this model that we are your one-stop shop. We can provide all of your healthcare staffing needs, not just physical therapy, but we'll take care of every single one of those different types of allied healthcare professionals. Was it 
did you miss the mark not having knowledge of the other spaces or was it just okay being part of the general healthcare space that you were able to step into these other app, you know, industries? Yes. And it just, it worked. I think that when we started off, we wanted to start off with what we knew and what we were comfortable right. with. Scratch through a niche. Exactly. Right. It was our niche. And, you know, one of the things that we also know is that in healthcare, healthcare is built around trust and healthcare professionals, they don't typically, they don't go into business. Or they, don't, they don't work for someone because they want to make a lot of money. They just want to give back. And they really have a, a true altruistic type of, you know, personality. And so what we found is that if you have a healthcare business that's ran by healthcare professionals, there's a bit of trust there and it helps. And so that really kind of, so we started off in physical therapy, working, you know, staffing physical therapists, it worked. And then when those other opportunities presented themselves, we started to capture those. And quite honestly, Stephen being the business mogul, he was able to see the full vision because I was just thinking physical therapy, but, you know, he was like, you know, if we can do physical therapy, we can do occupational therapy, we can do nurses, we can do social worker, we can do speech. And so we just grew from there. That's amazing. I know that, do you both have a a background in the military? Did you both serve? Yes. Yes. Wow. How has, I know you shared just a second ago that being a healthcare professional yourself lent to the trust factor you needed to be able to grow the business. Has being veterans, has that impacted the growth of the business? Without a doubt. You know, I think, well, I'll start not necessarily being veterans, but the work ethic, the discipline that you learn as being a military person is critical. I mean, one of the things we talk about a lot is that, you know, the military mind gives you, you know, you'll always hear that saying that says that the soldier gets more done before, you know, 8 a.m. than most people get done all day. I mean, Sterling and I, you know, remember, you know, waking up from basic training at 4 a.m. in the morning and, you know, waking up at 4 a.m., getting dressed and sleep and having, you know, going to to do your workout, your physical training before 5 a.m. and, you know, going for breakfast and then in class by 6 a.m. or whatever the case may be. So we still, to this day, wake up at 4 or 5 a.m. and we're working. We're working until it's time to, you know, get up and get the kids to school and then back at it. So we've had that strong work ethic that really, from a military standpoint, has driven us to, you know, stay the course and be very disciplined and work your task, work the plan and make it happen. Another thing that we always talk about is that processes and procedures and having standard operating procedures for every position, every job in the company. Mm. You know, if you think about the military, you think about these young high school kids, you know, straight out of high school, some 17, 18 year old kids that are, and I say kids, but they're young adults and, you know, they're joining the military and now they're handling these M16 killing machines, essentially, right? And just a year ago, they were just figuring out how to shave. And so you're like, how do you teach a guy, how do you teach a young kid that's 17 years old, 18 years old, you know, who's young in life, how to wield a killing machine and be able to successfully wield that machine without killing themselves, the officers, and actually just using it to take care of the need or the purpose of that weapon. And so what the military teaches you to do is that they embed in you processes and procedures to the point where you could do these things in your sleep. And you have so many routines and tasks and things that you do over and over and over again until you can do it without any effort at all and almost, like I said, almost in your sleep. So we've applied those same 
processes and procedures to our company so that anyone can come in pretty much at any time, take on a role. They can pull out a standard operating procedure manual and figure out how to get that job done. You know, the military teaches you to set up a process that essentially you don't have to be, you know, a genius to be able to do it. Anyone should be able to walk in almost and do that process. And so we try to keep our tasks simple. We try to not have a lot of silos, but have a lot of cross-training where people can take in, take over tasks, and make sure that there is always a backup to get things done. Right. Love that. Love that. Love the processes and systems, man. And that's a neat correlation with you know your background in the military. And so clearly, you have a process to train your people. Definitely. But of course, seven years in running this business, you've learned a thing about hiring the right people. And so I'm curious to know how you go about finding the people to bring into the organization that care about the company the way you both do. We, of course, <laughs> it's nice because being in a staffing company, that's all we do is search for great candidates. So we've gotten pretty good at using several different venues or ways of finding staff. But I can tell you this, one of the things that we found that's really, really helpful is using our own internal staff. They know what our culture is and they know what we need in order to continue to cultivate that culture, for lack of better words. So a lot of times it's our internal staff that will let us know, hey, I have someone who I used to work with or who I know who has a certain skill set. But more importantly, they have strong ethics, they work hard, they're going to fit well into our culture, and I can vouch for this person. And I think that having that level of accountability. The other thing too about the army is that we really have this army of one type of military and being a veteran. We have this really army of one type of mindset and we've used that that, that same group think model. We're all in this together type of leadership model. And it really does make everyone feel accountable. This is our company and we're going to build and be successful together. So when you have that type of accountability from every person, even to the lowest denominator, then everyone is looking for the right person. Everyone wants the right person in the right place, in the right position so that we have the best possible chance to succeed. So that works for us. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. You know, I think about that. I can think of several companies I've been a part of in the past where the feeling isn't one where you're really wanting to be there, much less bring other people in. That said, I'm sure that you've developed a culture that people have bought into and feel that compelled to bring other people they know, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, Stephen, you hit the mark. I mean, as an entrepreneur, if you cannot sell your vision to your employees, to your friends, to your clients, I mean, you're dead in the water. I mean, you have to believe so strongly in your product, in your service and be able to speak to that so eloquently and so from a position of motivation that you have everyone on the team and they have to be ready to toe the line, carry the torch, whatever you may call it, to the end of the road in order to get us to that ultimate vision. One of the things that uh, Sterling recommended that we do when we first came up with our mission statement and our vision statement is that we take that mission statement and vision statement and we actually put it on the wall of our office so that you can see that every day that you come in to know that here's why we're here. Here's what we're doing. And so that's the kind of those little things that you do every day to remind everyone of why we're here and giving everyone a sense of purpose that is beyond just, hey, I'm just here to collect a paycheck. 
That's not the case. We're here to really make a difference in the world. We're here to make a difference and an impact on our patients' lives, on our employees' lives, on our contractors' lives, on our clients' lives and community. And so it's just, it's much bigger than what we do every day. The impact is much greater. Absolutely. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this episode so far. I wanted to take a quick break right here and ask you a quick question. When you hear the words personal branding, what are you thinking of? I have a good many people who have responded to this saying they're thinking of a logo or maybe a website. And those are just a couple elements, right, to a personal brand, but they're not everything. In fact, your personal brand is in large part this ongoing process and development of your online reputation, your image, and a promise you're making to those that you interact with and influence on a day-to-day basis. And it's also derived from who you are, who you want to be, and who people perceive you to be. Now, in 2018, whether you are a CEO, uh, entrepreneur, a corporate professional, or you're a college grad, someone is Googling your name and the results that they find, if any, and a story being told about you and your brand is going to leave that person who is searching either more or less inclined to connect with you, do business with you, or hire you. And if you know right now that you need to fix this, if you know you need to begin building your personal brand or enhancing what you have already started working on, but you have no idea what to do from here or how to get started, I'd like to encourage you to sign up right now to learn more about my personal branding course called Brand You Academy. It's a first-class, six-week online program designed to help you build your amazing personal brand and digital footprint. If you're interested and you want to learn more, hop on over right now to tbpod.com slash brand you. Again, that's tbpod.com slash brand you. Now let's get back to today's episode. Now, obviously you've had success. We've talked about this and you're continuing to push ahead, but what have been some of the bigger challenges or failures that you've had to navigate through as you work to lead your culture and your team in this fast-growing organization? So, you know, I'll speak on one. And Stuart, I'm sure you, you have several. One of the biggest issues that, of course, you run into when you're talking about a business growing as quickly as ours has is, you know, those growing pains. So what we found is that, you know, we've been really, really busy. And sometimes we've lost, you know, our traction because what's happened is, is that we are not, we don't have the processes in place. We're not ready for that growth. So when you have all these referrals coming in and you're not able to staff those appropriately, or maybe it's taking too long to staff those, or you're not getting the right persons in right places, then you really affect your business. So instead of growing it, you can actually, it can go in the reverse direction. So one of the biggest things that we've had to sort of learn is to be proactive and not reactive. If we want to grow, we want to double our size in the next year, which that's one of our goals this year. We have to make sure that we have people in place and processes in place so that we can handle that growth. Right, right. And I would add on that it's a struggle, obviously, with any business to maintain yourself in a growth position. I think that change is inevitable and you have to make sure that everyone is accepting the fact that change is just something that we have to learn to understand and control and grow with. And I think what happens is that, you know, as you have to, I guess you have to stay hungry. And so the challenge has been that there's always going to be some different 
industry change or in our industry, healthcare, there's Medicare and Medicaid and all the different healthcare regulations that continue to change and happen on an annual basis and sometimes even multiple times within a year makes you have to, you know, you have to stay on your toes. You have to stay on your tippy toes, really continuing to be ready to, to move with those changes. And so it really takes, you know, a consistent mindset, a focus to make sure you're ready. And you got to have a team of individuals that just can't, they just can't get complacent. They can't get, you know, lax. You just have to stay ready. You have to stay hungry because let me tell you, we know that there's another, the new Sterling Staffing Solutions is just right around the corner and they're waiting to take our place if we don't get up and hit it every day. And so sometimes you kind of feel like you can just sit back and relax, but then you realize that as soon as you do that, you're opening up the door for somebody else to step in. Yes. So true. So true. So I'd love to get you guys to share some advice here. You've started more than five businesses and I want some tips. (laughs) So (laughs) what's your advice to the new or even seasoned entrepreneurs, right? That are listening to this conversation who are wanting to build and grow their business. So a couple of things that I would input in. First off, whatever business that you start, run it like a large corporation. Make sure that you have an organizational structure in place that everything that you can think of that's needed or required in the business is being handled. And then put the right people in place. You always hear it all the time. Hire someone that's smarter than you are. Hire smart people. Because if you want to... If you want to be a true entrepreneur, of course, a businessman, sometimes you spend too much time working in the business, not working on your business. Become a true entrepreneur, you have to make sure that you have a business that's self-sustaining and that can run without you. And so the only way that we're able to open up multiple businesses is that we put the right people in place. We have the right organization and structure so that those companies can be self-sustaining. So I would say that that's probably, you know, one of the more important things to make sure that you're doing. And that I agree with Sterling, definitely 100%. The other thing that I would add is that, you know, listen, everyone has a great idea. You know, everyone has a great idea and everyone has, you know, has an idea that they thought about that could be the next big thing. (laughs) And I know a lot of people kind of think of that, you know, you think about an idea and you sit on it and, you know, you throw it back and forth in your mind. And next thing you know, six months later, somebody else is taking your idea and they ran off and they started a company. You're like, I thought of that. That was my idea. I knew that was going to be you know, the next big thing. And so twofold. One is that if you've got a good idea, you want to make sure that you move on it. But you can't move unless you're prepared. So a big thing that we push on is planning. You have to plan plan and over plan. And that means that you have to actually develop a business plan. And I know that that's painful for a lot of people. I'm fortunate enough that I have an MBA in business school and I have finance and change management. So I've done a number of business plans before. So I'm, I'm a little lucky in that I don't mind doing them. And people may not find the value in that. But when you're developing a business plan, it makes you go through the steps of defining your competition, defining your market, defining the strengths and the weaknesses of your competition, examining your niche, figuring out your why, making sure that what you're doing is aligned with the business that you're trying to start. And if you do all of those pre-planning steps up front to make sure that the idea and the business that you're going into makes sense and that you have a strategic plan, and if you follow that plan and then revise that plan on an ongoing basis, you'll be successful. And the beautiful thing about it is that once you figure out that key to success, once you figure out how to make that first business successful, the light bulb goes off. And the next thing that you know, you know how to just replicate that time and time again. And so you see 
We talk about, you know, you see some of these moguls, if you will, that own multiple businesses. And you're like, how are they able to continue to do this, you know, business after business, you know, again and again, and they seem to never fail. Well, one, the reality is that they are failing sometimes. No one's yes. perfect. But but they they understand the key. It is an ABC one, two, three process. And if you figure it out and you run that process every time, then your likelihood of failure is much less than it is if you don't plan. Love those tips, guys. So let me switch gears for a second. I've been in a partnership before, and I know many of us can appreciate the complex nature of one, running a business, but two, maintaining a healthy business partnership. And being twins, obviously, you've done quite a bit together throughout your lives. But what's been the things that you admire most about the brotherhood and the partnership? So, you know, I think... One of the things that, that I definitely admire is that, one, Stephen and I being twins, we have had to share everything since since we were born. Actually, <laughs> since before we were born, since we were in the womb, we were sharing. So sharing actually comes somewhat natural to us. At the same token, sharing, well, being twins, it's, there's always a competition and there's always we're always trying to establish our own identity. And so it's challenging. Even it can be challenging because you have two personalities and each party is trying to do something different. You know, I think business partnerships is really kind of similar to marriage. It is. So communication is the key, you know, establishing those rules up front, who's going to do what and what, what decisions are going to be made collectively and which ones are not going to be made collectively. So Stephen and I, for example, we've made a decision that anything over a certain financial threshold, we have to make that decision collectively. But if it's under that, that we can go ahead and kind of make our own decisions. You know, my forte is operations. And because our biggest part of our business is healthcare, and I'm healthcare, I kind of run the operations side. Stephen is business management and strategic thinking and leading and managing folks. So that's his forte. So we found where we're strong. And I think that's the important thing for business partnerships as well as find your strengths, and focus on your strengths and make sure you have someone to cover those weaknesses. And I think you're golden. But you have to respect each other and you have to communicate effectively. Love that. And I would just add on, Sterling, spot on. And respect is the key to that part. I mean, listen, it is a marriage, just like you said, Stephen. And, and just like you would do in a marriage before you go into a marriage, you, you're going to make sure if you're smart, you're going to check that person's credit. You're going to check their <laughs> background, know their family, figure out, okay, who am I about to marry? You know, what am I getting myself into? You may even ask around, see who knew her at, in college and see <laughs> if skeletons or whatever. You need to know what you're doing. But going into a business partnership is just like going into a marriage and you need to vet that out just like you would go into a marriage. And you have to make sure that the person that you're getting into a partnership with is actually bringing something to the table of value and that you respect that that person is bringing something to the table of value. And so it's, uh, I think a lot of partnerships fail because we end up going into partnership with, you know, this is my buddy and he supported my idea and, you know, he's just a good friend of mine and I trust him. So I think we should be partners. But you realize once you get into that partnership that that person really has no value when it comes to this business. I mean, you like the guy. He was nice. But once you start making money, you have to split 50-50 your profits with this guy that you just put on board because he was nice. You realize that that just doesn't make a lot of sense. 
So you have to look at that person that you're partnering with and make sure that they're bringing something to the table and you respect that. So at the end of the day, there is no doubt when Sterling and I you know, talk and look at each other that we know without a doubt that there is a huge amount of value that each one of us brings to the table. And there is no way that we could have done this without one another. And so even, you know, when the toughest arguments or things happen, we know that we're going to come back to this table because I can't do this without him and he can't do it without me. And it, it makes it, uh, you've got that mutual respect and you'll go for it. And it doesn't hurt that we're brothers because at the end of the day, I still got to see him <laughs> right. at, at Mother's Day. And, you know. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to ask. That's actually going to be my next question. Right? So, so, so where's the boundary? Where can we not yeah, talk how do you, about business? How do you turn it off? I think that's the tough part. Because it's, especially with Stephen and I, because we're so passionate about it. It's, I mean, we live and breathe it. So it really is hard to turn off. I think our wives do a good job with helping us in that area. And they're just like, okay, enough is enough talking about business. You know, let's focus on some other things. So definitely. <laughs> I'm sure success doesn't come without, and probably the success makes for a couple of happy wives right now. But how yeah. have your wives supported you through the highs and lows of building and growing a business? Yeah. So I think, you know, we always say that our wives are our better halves. And that's so true. I mean, I think so before we were married, Sterling was my better half and I was his better half. (laughs) Now that we're married, you know, that goes out of the window. But no, but seriously, our wives have a way of grounding us Mm -hmm. and to reality. And so you can't get too far, you know, get the big head or get. (laughs) I think the kids do a better job on that, right? That's right. That's true. And, uh, you know, just like we talk about the uh, partnership and like, like a marriage and it's, there's the pros and cons of each individual. My wife is she is an educator and she's an executive at a charter school system and throughout the state of Texas. And she's just like a, she just loves to learn. She loves to read books. She loves she's just an educator and just a lover of learning. And so me, on the other hand, I'm kind of more of a visionary, big picture, blue skies, you know, hustler by nature. You know, so I really get a chance to bounce off of her leadership skills and different ideas in terms of management practices, because those are the things she loves to go to, you know, classes and courses and stay up on that. So I really have a chance to really bounce ideas off of her and get an understanding whether or not something is relevant or going in the right place. So for me, it's just about having that person that you have in your corner that you know got your back no matter what and is not going to say something just because they want to make you feel good. They're going to give you the truth no matter what. And I agree completely. I think our wives have been really, really helpful in just keeping us grounded. Same situation my wife is in. She's actually a mid-level manager in healthcare at MD Anderson Cancer Center. And so she can see things from a different perspective. She's very analytical and very, very grounded. She's really big about making sure that our lives are balanced, that there's work-life balance. And so for someone like me and like Stephen, we can work 60, 80 hours a day and completely just focus on that. So you need someone to say, you know what, honey, let's just go out and smell the roses. Let's go. Let's take a vacation. Let's do this and let's do that. And then also to just kind of make sure that you just don't go after every single opportunity that comes your way, because there's so many opportunities that we've had to pass as business owners because you can't do it all. Right. And so it's so our wives are there to help, right. help us just keep everything in perspective. Yeah. I like to say the plan doesn't change, but the strategy sometimes has to, to accommodate yes. the rest of life. Yes, that's right. <laughs> that's right. 
So let's talk about what's next. What's keeping you both motivated to pursue more success? You've had so much go right and you know you have all the achievements and accolades and awards. What's pushing you to keep going? For me, and I know Sterling has, we both have similar but different motivations. We're both very competitive. For me, I remember reading the book Reginald Lewis' autobiography, and he's just passed away now, but historically a mogul when it comes to business, African-American guy. You know, and the title of his book was Why Should White Guys Have All the Fun, right? And it just, you know, competitively for me, I just feel like that guy, I, I look at somebody else who's got a, you know, great business or uh, great businesses. And I'm just like, that guy's just not smarter than me. I mean, I just, and, <laughs> and maybe if he is smarter than me, he's not going to outwork me. And so I just got this huge competition that for me personally, internally, I just want to be able to say that I can do as much or more than the next guy. And I don't want to personally quit until, you know, I've been able to, to achieve all that I know that the God-given talents that I have, he's given me and I'm taking advantage of them and not wasted anything. So I just yeah. kind of got this goal to just outdo the next guy because I feel like I can. <laughs> I hope that doesn't sound egotistical, but that really is. No, not yeah, at all. Yeah, no. <laughs> right. Entrepreneurs look no, and, that. <laughs> and I agree. I think that we have to keep going until you know, basically God lets us know that, okay, you are in the place where I want you to be. You know, when I first went into business and Steve and I first went in the business, especially, I think we felt like we had something to offer, that we had something that we could do to this. We had something bigger that we wanted to give to the world. And I think this is our opportunity. And we love for this company to go global. We love to be able to, to provide services, staffing services to everyone across the country and across the world. And so our vision is just to keep going until we hit the mountaintop. And then not just for us, but provide opportunities for all of those that, you know, to bring everyone with us. You know, we tell our staff all the time that as we grow, you grow. So that's our goal. Love that. Guys, I'm enjoying this conversation. Unfortunately, we have to start wrapping up. But before we let you go, there are a couple of questions we ask all our featured guests. And so I'd love for you guys to share any books that you've read that you think would be great reads for our community. I know you just shared, I believe Stephen just shared Reginald Lewis, but uh, any other books that you guys would love to share? Sure. I have actually, I'm a pretty big reader, but I have three that I would recommend. One would be Find Your Why by Simon Sinek. And for those that are interested in getting into business and really just want to kind of determine, am I doing this for the right reason? You really need to kind of figure out why are you doing what you're doing? And if what you're wanting to do is truly what what's your calling. And so Find Your Why is a great book. He's actually, Simon Sinek has done several TEDx about finding your why. So a lot of uh, business owners and entrepreneurs probably heard about him. Smarter, Faster, Better by Charles Duhigg is a very, very great read. It's a heavy read, but he does a great job of looking at businesses, researching them and talking about and interviewing the, the CEOs of these businesses and pulling out the success points and how these businesses have succeeded. And it's it's a great read. And then the last one I would recommend would be The One Thing by Gary Keller, which Gary Keller, of course, is the owner of Keller Williams Realty, which I think is the biggest real estate firm in the world, if I'm not mistaken. But he really just talks about how if you stay in your lane and you focus on the most important things and you do the most important things first and you don't take your eye off of that, then success is almost guaranteed. So. Right. 
I love that book. Yes. I absolutely love that yes. book. I recommend the one thing and Essentialism too is kind of on that same wavelength. Okay. Is another great book to really kind of focus you in. The one thing kind of magnifies the Pareto principle of, you know, 20% yes. of your effort generates 80% of the results. And he wants you to drill down that 20 to like the one thing yes. that is going to give you maximum return on your investment. But yeah, I love both. I love all those reads. Great recommendations. Last question for you both. I'd love for you guys to share, maybe each share one action that you think or Blaze and Ashawn hopping off this call should take that's going to help them to blaze their trail? I would just say, and I'll just say, it's, it'll be really, really quick. My number one point would be to just do it. If you're wanting to, if you're thinking about going into opening up a business, you're thinking about you want to do your own thing, you want to be your own boss, don't wait, just get started. Of course, you need to have a plan, just like Stephen was talking about, make sure you know what you're getting into. But what happens is, is we spend, sometimes we spend too much time just trying, thinking about and planning and trying to wait for the perfect time to start a business. And really, you're going to make mistakes. You got to just get out there and get it done. So if you're thinking about starting a business, just do it. Yes. Yeah. And just to piggyback on that, it doesn't get easier. You know, it's one of these things that it's going to be hard no matter what. And in fact, when you start a business, no matter what you think, it's going to be more difficult. It's going to take more money. It's going to take more time than you thought. And so make sure that you're prepared for taking the leap. We talk a lot about that in our new book that's about to come out. You know, prepare for the leap and then know that once you get out there, you know, one of the things that until until Sterling and I, I was still working in corporate America when we first started Sterling Staffing Solutions in 2011. And I still had one foot in the door of corporate America and one foot in the door of entrepreneurship. And I was kind of trying to straddle the two. But until we decided that, you know what, I just got to jump out there and take the leap of faith and just go 100% all in. That's when I took off the parachute. I just jumped in and said, you know what, sink or swim, this business has to, it's got to run or my family may not eat. And so once I made that decision to say we're all in and Sterling was right there to support us, we exploded in growth because we all, we knew then that we had to make this thing work and you got to be 100% in, you got to take that leap. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be challenging, but you got what it takes to make it happen. I love that. Love that. A couple of things, Stephen, that you touched on earlier, and I kind of just wanted to come back to as a resource for our listeners. You shared, you know, the importance of a business plan. And I just want to share with everyone listening. I've said this in prior episodes, but I'll reiterate. If you're not strong at creating a business plan yourself, don't let that stop you. You have organizations like SCORE, which is an organization under the Small Business Administration that has retired executives and business owners that can actually help you. They will give you resources to help you through the process of writing a business plan. And you can meet with them as much as you'd like for free. So it doesn't cost you a dime. So there's no excuse really on not taking the step forward to work through planning that business idea in your mind. So I just wanted to share that. And, you know, a mantra of mine, as you guys have kind of hit the nail on the head, but it's all about execution over excuses. I like that. <laughs> so, uh, I love that. So guys, I did not touch on this, but you just touched on something a minute ago. I'd love for us to maybe close on this is you have a 
book coming out at some point. Could you maybe share just a snippet of the book and also share with us how we can stay connected to you and we can wrap up? Sure. So we have a book coming out. We were honored to, we are honored. We were approached by Forbes Books early earlier this year, and they wow. have been following our business and what we were doing and basically said, you know what, we think you guys have a great story. We'd like for you to fly down to our headquarters and we'll do what we call a blueprint day and just let's talk and let's see if you guys are a good fit for us and we're a good fit for you, then maybe we can do something. So long story short, we did that and we decided to move forward with this venture of writing a book. So we are featured authors for Forbes Books and our book is yet to be completely titled, come up with our actual accurate title, but it is a book on business success, how to succeed by design. And it basically gives strategies on how to take your business from 10K to a multi-million dollar business. And we actually have really great brand new cutting edge tools that tools that we've used and we know that they work. And we're actually giving those secrets out to our readers so that they can succeed and not have to go through, you know, so many mistakes and that kind of thing, because they can use these secrets to just take their business to the next level. Hands raised, hands clapping. I'm excited for you guys. This is awesome. I'm actually compiling right now a list of books authored by Black professionals. And so definitely we'll update it with your title once it's complete. I would love for you guys to share with me once the book goes live so we can let the community know to get their copy. Guys, let us know how, how we can stay connected to you and we can wrap up. Yes. So you can definitely check out our website, which is www.sterlingstaffingsolutions.com. We both actually have our own personal websites now that we've launched in order to promote our book and to promote our motivational speaking engagements and things of that nature. So they're drsterlingcarter.com and Stephen, spelled with a P-H-S-T-E-P-H-E-N, levicarter.com. And then you can also find us on all the social media websites, Facebook at Sterling Staffing Solutions, Twitter at Sterling Staffs. We're also on LinkedIn at Sterling Staffing Solutions. And so you can find us any of those or just Google the company name and a lot of good information will come up as well. But we're really excited about continuing to brand our organization and brand the different things that we're trying to do to make a difference in the business world and make a difference in the community and really make a strong impact. And I'll be sure to tag and link share all those links over on our website at tvpod.com. Stephen and Sterling Carter, it's been a pleasure talking with you tonight. Thank you so very much. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. It's been an absolute pleasure. We're really excited to be able to spend a little time with your audience. Yes. Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Trailblazers podcast. I'll be posting links to all of today's book recommendations and links mentioned on our show notes page at tvpod.com. If today was your first time listening to the Trailblazers podcast, I just want to extend a warm Trailblazers welcome to you. We're so happy to have you here and we encourage you to go ahead and hit that subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. Go ahead and browse through some of our past episodes to keep the knowledge flowing. If you're a fan of the podcast and today's content, and you're maybe already subscribed to the podcast, please continue to share and invite your friends, your family, your colleagues to listen to an episode that you think might impact them most. We believe that someone listening to these inspiring stories will be moved 
to make significant changes that will have generational impact for many others, both now and well into the future. Don't miss next week's episode. New episodes are released each and every Monday by about 5 a.m. Eastern. Trailblazers, jump off this podcast today. Go find a way to rise above, go way beyond, and keep blazing your trail. Cheers. Cheers.